Imagine your new bathroom. A sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. One Day University. We feature hundreds of top-rated professors from Stanford, Harvard, Michigan, Texas, UCLA, and other schools across the world to explore history, music, politics, art, science, and much more. Every Wednesday, our weekly scholar newsletter includes five fascinating short video clips of our most notable professors discussing a brand new topic, plus special reports and topical debates as well. Sign up for free at OneDayU.com. That's O-N-E-D-A-Y-U.com. New on Curiosity Street, Louis B. Mayer, Jack Warner, William Fox. Hollywood was the city of dreams, but the beginnings were a nightmare. You will never work in this town again! It's Titans, the rise of Hollywood. And Merapi, one of the world's most active volcanoes. Can we better predict its next deadly eruption? A new expedition hunts for life-saving answers on exploring the volcano. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Hello, welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. This is your host, Pamela Clark, and you're listening to Education in the News. Hope all is well with you and your families. I appreciate you coming back for another episode, and let's get right on into it. The first uh, story I have for you is from Fee Daily, and... It's titled, College Enrollment Drops as Students Seek Alternatives. Both K-12 public schooling and college enrollment continue to decline this academic year as individuals and families explored other options. This article is written by Carrie McDonald, by the way. And it says that the past two years has marked by major education disruption and during prolonged school closures and remote learning. They left district schools in droves, choosing instead to become independent homeschoolers, join learning pods or micro-schools, and find high-quality virtual learning platforms. Public school enrollment plummeted during the 2021-2022 school year, academic year, and continue its decline this academic year in many areas despite the fact that schools reopened for full-time in-person learning. Higher education is seeing similar trends. College enrollment dropped in 2020-2021 school year as many colleges and universities turned to remote learning and it has also not rebounded. In fact, the New York Times recently reported that the college enrollment decline may indeed be worsening this year. According to the National Student Clearing House Research Center, undergraduate enrollment this spring is down 662,000 students compared to last year, or a drop of 4.7%. Graduate school enrollment also declined this year compared to last year. Prospective college students may be weighing the relative value of jobs that require or expect a college degree against equally attractive opportunities that do not, wrote the Times. These students are smart. They are recognizing that the conveyor belt to college and debt they assume along the way may not be the best option. They are weighing the benefits of a college degree against the cost, but financial costs and opportunity cost, and determining that perhaps another pathway to adulthood might make 
more sense. On this week's episode of Liberated Podcast, um, they had interviewed Cameron Sorsby, CEO of Praxis, about the alternatives to college. Now, if you go to fee.org and you do a search, you'll see the link there. You can click right on it to hear that episode. And um, this just says more individuals and families are questioning the conventional K-12 and college pathway and are exploring other options. Their demand for both schooling and college alternatives will continue to dramatically reshape education for years to come. Now, we will have this in our upcoming, well, actually, we'll probably have it in our September magazine. So um, you can always look it up then at that time as well. Another article from this fee daily is it says the New York Times reported the mainstreaming of Marxism in U.S. colleges 30 years ago. Today we see the results. This was written by John Miltmore and Dan Sanchez. And uh, it says on October 25th, 1989, the New York Times published an article destri- describing a strange phenomenon. Even as the world's great experiment and Marxism was visibly collapsing, Marxist ideas were taking root and evolving in the halls of U.S. universities. Much of today's culture and discord is a consequence of these movements. Okay, sorry, I'm trying to find the next... um, I mean, I'm I'm still sharing this uh, story, but... Okay, let's see. It says, the world waited with bated breath to see what would happen next, and then it did, and and, and then it happened, nothing. When no Soviet tanks deployed to Poland to crush the rebels, political movements and other nations, first Hungary, followed by East Germany, Bulgaria, Czechoslovakia, and Romania soon followed in what became known as the revolutions of 1989. The collapse of communism had begun. Marx's ideological heirs on October 25th, 1989, a mere two months after Poland's pivotal election, the New York Times published an article headlined, The Mainstreaming of Marxism in U.S. Colleges. Now that's a clickable link within this um, story I'm sharing with you. So if you want to go to that and click on it, you can read what they had written. But it says it describing a strange and seemingly paradoxical phenomenon, even as the world's greatest experiment in Marxism was collapsing for all to see. The Marxist ideas were taking root and becoming mainstream in the halls of American University. Quote, as Karl Marx, ideological heirs and communist nations struggled to transform his political legacy, his intellectual heirs on American campuses have virtually completed their own transformation from brash, beleaguered outsiders to assimilated academic insiders, wrote Felicity Berenger. There were notable differences, however. The stark, unmistakable contrast between the grinding poverty of the communist nations and the prosperity of Western economies had obliterated socialism's claim to economic superiority. As a result, orthodox Marxism, with its emphasis on economics, was no longer in vogue. Traditional Marxism was retreating and has become unfashionable, the Times reported. There are a lot of people who don't want to call themselves Marxists, Eugene D. Genovese, an eminent Marxist academic, told the Times. Genovese, who died in 2012, later abandoned socialism and embraced traditional conservatism after rediscovering Catholicism. Marxism wasn't truly retreating, however. It was simply adapting to to survive. Watching the upheaval in Poland and other Eastern Bloc nations had convinced even Marxists that capitalism could not, quote, give way to socialism anytime soon. But this would cause an evolution of Marxist ideas, not an abandonment of them. Marx had become relativized 
That's a quote. Lauren Graham, a historian at Massachusetts Institute of Technology, told the Times. Graham's or Graham was just one of a dozen of the scholars the, the Times spoke to, a mix of economists, legal scholars, historians, socialists, and literary critics. Most of them seemed to reach the same conclusion as Graham. Marxism was not dying, it was mutating. Marxism and fem feminism, Marxism and deconstruction, Marxism and race, this is where the exciting debates are, Jonathan M. Weiner a professor of history at the University of California at Irvine told the paper. Marxism was still thriving. Berenger concluded, but not in the special science or social sciences, where there is a possibility of practical application, but in abstract fields such as literary criticism. A strategic shift. Marxism was not defeated. The Marxists had just staked out new turf. And it was a highly strategic move. Quote, practical application of Marxism had proven dangerous. Communism had been, had been tried as governing philosophy and had failed catastrophically. Catastrophically. I know I said that wrong. <laughs> Leading to mass starvation. And uh, impoverishment, persecution, and murder. But in the ivory tower of the American university system, professors could inculate Marxist ideas in the minds of their students without risk of being refuted by reality. Yet, it wasn't happening in university economics departments because Marxism's credentials and the discipline were too tarnished by its practical track record. Instead, Marxism was thriving in English departments and other abstract disciplines. In these studies, economics was downplayed and other key aspects of the Marxist worldview came to the fore. The Marxist class war doctrine was still emphasized, but instead of capital versus labor, it was patriarchy versus women, the, the, raci the racially privileged versus the marginalized, and etc. Students were taught to see every social relation through the lens of oppression and conflict. After absorbing Marxist ideas, even when those ideas weren't called Marxist, generations of university graduates carried those ideas into other important American institutions like the arts, media, government, public schools, and even eventually into human resources departments and corporate boardrooms. This is shown as the long march to the institutions, and that is a quote, by the way, a phrase coined by communist student activist Rudy Duchek, whose ideas were influenced by early 20th century Marxist theoretician Antonio Gramsci. Indeed, it was recently revealed that federal agencies have spent millions of tax dollars on programs training employees to acknowledge their white privilege. These training programs are also found in countless schools and corporations, and people who have questioned the appropriateness of these programs have found themselves similarly fired. A huge part of today's culture is a consequence of this movement, widespread wokeness, all-pervasive identity politics, victimism, cancel culture, rioters, self-righteously destroying people's livelihoods, and menacing passerbys, all largely stem from Marxist presumptions, especially Marxism's distorted fixations on oppression and conflict and having been incubated in the universities, especially since the 80s. As it turned out, what was happening in American universities in 1989 was just as pivotal as what was happening in European parliaments, especially in an election year. It can be easily easy to fixate on political fray but the lesson of 1989 is that today's culture and ideas are tomorrow's political or politics and beliefs and policies. That is why the fate of freedom rests on education. If you want to look that article up, like I said, you can go to feed.org and it's, you can type in the New York Times reported the mainstreaming of Marxism in U.S. colleges 30 years ago. Today we see the results. Um, so yeah, there's that article. What do you think of it? What do you think of this article that was shared by Fee?
Do you agree with it? Do you not agree with it? Um, do you think this is really happening? Um, what is your opinion? And we will also put that in an upcoming magazine, probably this September issue, just FYI. Okay, the next uh, story I have for you is from Smart Brief on EdTech. And it was covered by Education Week. And it's, uh, the title is, Many Districts Unaware of Rebates for Electric Buses. Some school districts remain wary of investment, investing in electrical, I'm sorry, in electric school buses, despite funding available through the federal government, including $250 million in rebates from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, $250 million for zero emission alternatives, and $4.5 million in clean school bus program rebates. In an EdWeek Research Center survey last week, half of leaders from 384 districts said they were unaware of the available rebates prior to taking the survey. Okay, this story was covered by the Herald Times in Bloomington, Indiana. And it's a student designs virtual reality game to address Alzheimer's. Maya Zalkaley spent her senior year at Harmony School in Indiana creating a virtual reality game with significantly based flashlight, flashing lights that might help disintegrate plague disintegrate plaque on Alzheimer's disease patients' brains. Zalkali used photogametry to make a virtual 3D image and tapped different software to add interactive animals. That sounds interesting, doesn't it? What do you think of that? And this one's also from Education Weeks. Um, are cell phones a safety tool in school emergencies? Question. The presence of cell phones in the classroom, long a topic of debate, is gaining attention because of their potential use during emergency situations, such as acts of violence. While some educators say the phones can be useful during an emergency, others question whether students should be distracted by them and ignore safety protocols. And K-12 dive reports are asked the question, how are states, districts using emergency relief funds? States and school districts are working to invest money from American Rescue Plan, the latest of three tranches of federal elementary and secondary school emergency relief funding. Efforts receiving rescue funding include educator recruitment and retention in Arizona and an expansion of community schools in Idaho. With a review from Burbio showing learning recovery efforts among the areas receiving priority for the funding at the district level in many states. And the print in India reports that companies tap metaverse for new ed tech possibilities. Unfold You, a career launcher, and other companies plan to capitalize on the metaverse as a way to improve educational technology such as letting students learn by inserting themselves as avatars into virtual case studies. Companies such as Invact Metaversity uh, want to create entire universities within the metaverse. The New York Times reports that therapy dogs reduce kids' stress levels in study. School-aged children who spent time with a therapy dog twice a week subsequently had lower levels of salivary cortisol than children who participated in guided relaxation sessions and those who did neither according to the, a study in the PLOS one. The study involved children with and without special education needs and both appeared to benefit from therapy dog researchers reported. The Ohio Department of Education reports that, um, and this was actually covered by the Plain De Dealer, it says, uh, Summit gets Beret City School students ready for middle school. 
Transitioning from elementary school to middle school can be a huge change for 9 and 10 year olds. New building, new people. For two days in May, Beret, sorry, City School District brought out or brought all 420 fourth graders, their teachers and counselors to Baldwin Wallace University's Student Union for a Say It Summit. And WTAP reports that bridging the gap between students and police, two local schools will get therapy dogs. Fort Fry High School and Warren High School are getting therapy dogs. This was announced at Thursday's Washington County Commissioner meeting. Brody, Brody was a special guest at the meeting. He was originally trained as a bomb dog, but became such a hit at Washington County Career Center that he's now a therapy dog, too. NWNWO reports that Northwest Ohio School Districts prepare for the next academic year at Safety Conference. School may be out, but local custodial and maintenance staff are already prepping for back to school. The Columbus Dispatch reports that 27 apply for Olentangy Schools Board seat vacated by Mindy Patrick. 27 district residents have filed applications with the Olentangy Schools Board of Education expressing interest in replacing Mindy Patrick, who resigned from the board, effective June 9th. Hamilton, Hamilton Journal News reports that Edgewood School Superintendent is a candidate for role in another district. The longest tenured school superintendent in Butler County is seeking a job to lead another school district in Southwest Ohio. Edgewood School Superintendent Russ Fussnecker is one of the finalists for the top position at Forest Hills. And the Plain Dealer reports that New Chagrin Falls School District administrators excited about roles. Jared Mullman says he was not aware that he was being considered for the Chagrin Falls School's newly created position of Director of Student Advancement when he interviewed for the job of high school principal. And um, KTUU-TV in Anchorage, Alaska reports that summer job programs teaches student work skills, a job training program for students with disabilities in Anchorage, Alaska, teaches participants how to apply and interview for jobs and provides them with paid summer positions so they can learn hands-on work skills. The income is important, says Coach Candace Edwards, as it teaches them that their time and work have value. I want to remind everybody we do have an interview, a free interview skills course on our website um, in the Learning Annex, and you can go to newheightseducation.org and click Learning Annex to kind of learn more about that. You do have to purchase the $6 a month membership, but you can pay that per month. I mean, you don't have to pay for the whole year up front or anything like that. So if you're interested in that, um, the, feel free to check it out. Okay, uh, Smart Brief on Education reports um, how school leaders can increase the value of networks. The net worth of a network depends on what is invested in them, asserts Fred and a director of curriculum and instructional services in Yorktown Heights, New York. And this blog post and shares how to boost the net worth of a network and how to know when to cash out. And Ed Surge reports that software monitoring tools raise equity concerns. More K-12 schools have adopted software monitoring tools that filter content and view students' emails and social media posts, according to the nonprofit Center for Democracy and Technology. However, Cody Vensky, Vensky, I believe it is, the center's senior policy counsel says these tools may disproportionately affect students from low-income families who are more likely to use school-issued devices. VT Digger in Vermont uh, shared that practice of student removal gains attention in Vermont. 
Some parents and advocates in Vermont say a practice of informal removal from school or unofficial suspension of students, primarily those enrolled in special education program, violates state law. They say the practice is informal, so data is unavailable on how frequently schools are removing students outside of the usual suspension process for which the states has rules. Have you heard about this? What, what are your thoughts about that? And a New Hampshire, New Hampshire Public Rodeo actually shared that a new New Hampshire bill would give students with disabilities an extra school year. Under Bill Heading to its Sun Uni, so S U N U and you and it's written by Lara I'm sorry Laura Bratton and um, it says the bipartisan legislation is heading to the governor's desk a new bill would give students with disabilities an extra year to finish high school and extend access to special education services house bill 1513 passed a new hampshire legislator and is wait, awaiting governor chris Sanu's approval. The state would change how it defined the age window of children with disabilities. Right now, children ages age 3 to 21 are eligible for special education services offered by school districts. The HB 1513 would extend the age limit to 21 inclusive, meaning students could receive services until they turn 22 a provision that aligns the, with federal law. Karen Rosenberg, the policy director of Disabilities Rights Center, said the passage of this law would be crucial, a crucial step for New Hampshire. Quote, this is about bringing our state into compliance with a federal law that requires that schools provide a free and appropriate public education to students with disabilities with a goal to help of helping kids to become productive, independent adults, fully participating in our communities, she said. The extra year gives students more flexibility to complete career coaching and community programs funded by the school districts, Rosenberg added. The bill sponsored by State Representative Bill Boyd, a Republican, um, came under consideration of the House Education Committee in January and it was approved by the Senate with an amendment in April. New Hampshire Education Commissioner Frank Edelblatt said the ultimate goal is to allow students with disabilities to be more prepared to enter the workforce. It is our hope, quote, I'm sorry, this is a quote, it, it is our hope that this extra time will set them up for success, says Edelblatt. He passed the bill. If passed, the bill would take effect immediately. We'll probably be sharing that on our social media um, accounts, just FYI, if you want to look for it there. Or you can go to www.nhpr.org, just FYI, if you're interested in that. I want to um, remind everyone uh, that... If you go to our learning annex, which is can you know be through our website newheightseducation.org or school.newheightseducation.org, that we do have some scholarship options, and um, families can always request that information you know for a fee through through us, or you can look it up for yourself on our site, but. We have a whole database of scholarships if you're interested. But if you go to um, scholarships and opportunities and information, it's under the students tab on our annex and you click on it, you will see um, at the top of the page, it's one of our partners, which is the College Express. And they have like a class of 2023 Nintendo Switch giveaway. There's regular scholarship information, um, and you'll well you'll see the the college 
just different college scholarship. And there's even a, um, like an advertisement there from College Express, but you can win substantial money um, for going on there. And there's a lot there, but it, it's nothing compared to what we have kind of behind the scenes. And like I said, for a small fee, you can have us run a search within our database to find scholarships that are personalized for your students. So let us know if that's something you're interested in or check out that webpage and College Express through our site. And we are a partner of theirs, so we would get um, a percentage of, you know, every click type thing. But I, it, with college as expensive as, as it is, I don't have to tell you that, that um, every little bit helps. Every chance for free money is very important. Okay, moving on. So um, the next story is from Columbia Daily Tribune from Missouri. It says, Missouri students learn about beekeeping. A teacher at Gentry Middle School in Missouri teaches a hands-on summer course on beekeeping at a farm in Callaway County. Students don bee suits to learn about beehives and the bee life cycle and participate in hands-on activities such as making bees wax candles. I think uh, the next story I had here is a repeat, so I'm going to skip that. This next one is from the Daily Citizen from Dalton, Georgia. Georgia, 8th and 9th graders learn language from Germany native. 8th and 9th graders at Georgia Junior High School are learning the language and culture of Germany. From teacher Lisa Kong, I, I know I'm probably messed that up, a native of the country. Kongetter, who started at the school at the beginning of 2021-2022 school year, shares German foods and stories from her life with students, and she is creating a pen pal program so her current students can practice their German with her former students in Germany. Education Week reports that principals who stay Hire teachers who stay. School principals who have five or more years in the role are more likely to hire teachers who stay at the school for at least three years. According to a paper published this month online in the Journal of Educational Administration. However, the findings based on the data from Texas principals from 1999 to 2017 show that some principals tend to depart one year shy of the five-year mark. Okay, we're going to have to take a quick commercial break and we're going to be right back. Stay tuned. Hello, okay. listeners. If you're enjoying the New Heights show on education and want to support or donate to our organization, please visit www.newheightseducation.org. And while you're there, check out our online store. Welcome back to Education in the News with the New Heights Show on Education. I'm Pamela Clark, your host, and let's get right back into some stories. The next one I have from you is from District Administration. It says, Advice for Aligning the School Board and Community. Aligning with the school board's views and goals, as well as developing relationships with local chamber of commerce agencies and legislative groups can make superintendents' jobs easier and potentially more long-lasting, and several superintendents and Dan Dom, Domenech, or Domenech, uh, maybe, I'm not sure, executive director of AASA, the School Superintendents Association, providing transparency into district data, and it needs, quote, helps foster a partnership that can lead to advocacy and action said Terry Bresnan, um, a Chicago area superintendent. This is from, this story is from Idaho Education News, and the title of the article is 
Idaho board aims to address ongoing teacher shortage. Public school teacher applications have dwindled in Idaho, where vacancies number about 700. Despite the state legislation this year investing more than $100 million in pay raises and $180 million for better health benefits, which State Board of Education President Kurt Liebeck says still doesn't bring the state into alignment with private sector salaries and benefits. This week, the board discussed some legislative proposals, such as a teacher ap- apprenticeship program. I really don't think they get the full picture. I mean, why are they having these problems? Maybe it's the kind of curriculum they're using and, um, you know, things that parents don't want their children to learn. Uh, maybe the teachers are against some of that as well. I mean, th- th- yeah, I ask you to kind of think that over, mull that over, and think about it. EdScoop reports resources available for Cybersecurity Education Month. The nonprofit Cyber.org, C-Y-B-E-R.org, has declared that June is National Cybersecurity Education Month and has released plans for expanding K-12 cybersecurity education. U.S. lawmakers are considering a resolution to recognize the month and highlight the importance of cybersecurity in education. So I have a few repeats here. Education Week reports a a study that is titled, Listening to Students Has Academic Benefits. Students who believe their schools are responsible to their needs earn higher grades. According to a study by researchers at the University of California at Riverside and Northwestern University, the findings based on data from 12,000 ninth grade students in Chicago come as school districts consider ways to better integrate students' feedback. Okay, more more repeats. (laughs) Education Week says that um, credit agency reports that students should offer higher wages. A bulletin from Fitch Ratings, a credit rating agency, advises school districts to raise wages to stay competitive in a tight labor market. But it acknowledges that private employers often have greater capacity to do so. And Education Week also reports that there's a study that was done in a, a titled Longer School Bus Rides Affect Attendance. Students who have longer school bus rides, an hour or more, tend to also have a higher absenteeism rate, 12%, according to a study by researchers at Temple and Syracuse Universities. Additional data from a New York City study found that black students were more likely to have longer school bus rides. Okay, the next uh, stories I have, or updates, um, come from Philanthropy News Digest. It says, cross-border philanthropy varies significantly in Asia, reports find. The annual report from Give to Asia found that feasibility of cross-border philanthropy in Asia varies significantly by location, due to regulatory hurdles, incentives, and institutional readiness. And J.P. Morgan Chase commits $30 million for HBCUs. The expansion of the Financial Service Forms Advancing Black Pathways Initiative will support student development, programming, financial education resources, and development of career pathways. Bear with me. 
Okay, this is from Edge Surge, and it says software monitoring tools raise equity concerns. More K-12 schools have adopted software monitoring tools that filter content and view students' emails and social media posts. According to the Nonprofit, Cent Nonprofit Center for Democracy and Technology, however, Cody Vensky, the center's senior policy counsel, says these tools may disproportionately affect students from low-income families who are more likely to use school-issued devices. So I think we've seen um, this earlier, but um, what are your thoughts about that? Do you think they have a right to be monitoring students' emails? Whose responsibility is that? And is that an overreach? What do you think? The 74 reports that a Nebraska teacher starts travel clubs with students and families. A former Nebraska Teacher of the Year has launched school travel clubs to allow students and their families a chance to learn and grow through travel. And she has, and she has done in trips to Rwanda and the Netherlands. Uh, during visits to places like New York City and Washington, D.C., Megan Helberg says she takes students and their families to museums and other attractions to teach them about life in other parts of the world. The Ohio Department of Education reports. Let's see here, they have. Um, here's a new one. Uh, Fremont News Messenger, which again, this is shared through the Ohio Department of Education, but it's titled "Talk About Clyde Zimmerman Named Top Ohio Ag Teacher." Congratulations to Barrett Zimmerman, VO Ag Instructor and FFA Advisor at Clyde Green Springs Schools for the past 26 and a half years. Zimmerman was named the Ohio Ag Educator of the Year at the 94th Ohio FFA Convention held at the Ohio State Fairgrounds in May. And WTN and Dayton says Xenia schools hold hiring events ahead of the school year. Two local school districts are looking to hire staff for the upcoming school year in June. And WCHS reports that Shawnee State University offers free tuition to qualifying students. When classes start up this fall at Shawnee State University in Portsmouth, some students will go to the class free of charge. To be eligible, students must be Pell eligible first-time students with a minimum of 3.0 GPA and an 18-act score. They must live in Scioto, Lawrence, Adams, Pike, Jackson, or Ross counties in Ohio, and or live in Greenup, Boyd, or Lewis counties in Kentucky. And that will be added to our list of scholarships as, as well. And remind all of you, you know, when you go to our radio page, radio.newheightseducation.org, and um, if you listen to any of our many past hosts and current host shows, um, you'll notice, you know, we're on verbal. They're organized, V-I-A, verbal, V-U-R-B-L. And um, we're uh, education ambassadors there for them. And we share like the classic learning test uh, podcast and the um, homeschool legal defense podcast and some other ones that you may be interested in and some past interviews of John Taylor Gatto. So you may want to check that out if you're really interested in education and understand what's happening in education right now. Okay, the next uh, story comes out of Massachusetts from the Gloucester Daily Times, and it says students' citizenship projects include local issues. Eighth-grade students of O'Malley Innovation Middle School in Gloucester, Massachusetts, presented the, their global citizenship projects, which focused on a variety of issues, including those affected affecting the local community. Projects looked at the new rope lobstermen, 
must use to mitigate wells getting entangled. A trolley system to ferry beachgoers and trash pickup to protect pipe piping plovers, plovers, a threatened species that nests on the beach. An Edutopia reports that middle schoolers embrace freedom of writing plays. Writing a play using characters from a book, TV show on their imaginations promotes the creativity of middle schoolers, encourages collaboration, and offers autonomy. Seventh grade language arts teacher Carly Van Der Wend writes in this commentary. Van Der Wend lays out five steps, starting with a framework and ending with plenty of praise. And ABC News reports that a summit on mental health crisis focuses on youth input. Children's input is needed to address the youth mental health crisis, says U.S. Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy, who is participating in a summit that has the goal to serve as a call to action to support young people's mental well-being. Bob Ross, CEO of Event Host, the California Endowment, says any plans to support young or youth mental health should put them, quote, center stage and utilize, quote, youth people as the experts. Chalkbeat in Detroit, Michigan, reports that district adopts Black History 365 curriculum. The Detroit Public Schools Community District has adopted the Black History 365 curriculum, which will be introduced in the fall in African American History elective courses. The curriculum change, part of a broad overhaul of social studies curricula, comes as the district seeks to boost enrollment of or in the courses. I have some uh, repeats here. Let me check the time, though. I think we need to take one more quick commercial break. I'll be right back. Right now, right now. you, might be, you might be struggling through your classes class. or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group, educational resources to help reach your goals. At One Day University, we feature hundreds of top-rated professors from Stanford, Harvard, Michigan, Texas, UCLA, and other schools across the world to explore history, music, politics, art, science, and much more. Every Wednesday, our weekly scholar newsletter includes five fascinating short video clips of our most notable professors discussing a brand new topic, plus special reports and topical debates as well. Sign up for free at OneDayU.com. That's O-N-E-D-A-Y-U.com. New on Curiosity Stream. This bear's walking right at me. We'll see if he wants trouble or not. Follow filmmaker Casey Anderson as he gets an unprecedented face-to-face look at Alaska's fiercest carnivores on the tracker's diary, Bears of Katmai. Plus, why is a tiny island in the Pacific one of America's most crucial outposts? Discover the truth behind this mysterious trans-Pacific stopover on Extremities Wake Island. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Back to Education in the News with the New Heights Show on Education. This is your host, Pamela Clark. And um, I know the commercials were a little bit uh, topsy-turvy today or not uh, shared at their normal times, but juggling all these different articles I try to share with you guys to keep you updated. I kind of um, get involved with them, obviously. So let's get right back into it. The next story I have for you is from Chalkbeat in Philadelphia. Philadelphia schools align CTE with industry needs. Students enrolled in the school district of Philadelphia's high schools have 43 career and technical education pathways available to them, including automotive repair and carpentry, as well as the most popular programs, health-related technology, digital media production, sports marketing, and culinary arts. 
The district has worked over time to align its offerings with industry needs. Educational leadership reports that tips to help school leaders embrace wellness. School leaders must practice what they preach when it comes to wellness or risk being perceived as wellness fraud, writes Jolene, the founder of nonprofit Teaching and Leading Initiative in Oklahoma. In this commentary, Aline shares the signs of wellness and fraud and how school leaders can overcome it. To access this, this, <laughs> Sorry, you go to www.ascd.org and then just type in to their search preventing and quotes wellness fraud for leaders. Arizona Daily Star in Tucson, Arizona reports that $90,000 grant to help Fill Arizona School Pantries. A $90,000 grant from Feeding America will be used to purchase healthful foods and locally grown produce for 30 school pantries in southern Arizona communities where residents are experiencing food insecurity. The money will also be used to engage the community to better understand the barriers to accessing nutritious food. And... The following story was covered by the Associated Press and the Washington Post. The Fourth Circuit nixes North Carolina's school gender-specific dress code. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit has held that a North Carolina charter school ran afoul of female students' constitutional rights by requiring their uniforms to include skirts, skirts, or jumpers. The state provides the public funding to charter school or charter day school in Leland, North Carolina, so the school is therefore a state actor and must abide by the Constitution's Equal Protection Clause, the court ruled. And Spectrum News reports that Homegrown Heroes brings nutrition education into schools. The nonprofit Homegrown Heroes is working to fight food insecurity in North Carolina through a program that teaches students about nutrition and food production. Similar programs are in place in many schools in the state and often involve on-campus gardens that help supply cafeterias with fresh produce. Give me just a moment. Okay, Philanthropy News Digest, another one of those, um, says that Warren Buffett awards $4 billion to five foundations. According to Berkshire Hathaway, Buffett donated 14,414,106 shares of B stock to the Bill Melinda Gates Foundation and Susan Thompson Buffett Sherwood and Howard G. Buffett and Novo Foundations. And then this is a separate one. It says black led nonprofits struggle to connect with funder funders study finds. Three overarching recommendations arose from the Philadelphia area nonprofit leaders interviewed for the report from the Urban Affairs Coalition. Get to know black led nonprofits embrace quote, trust-based philanthropy, and trust black leaders. Okay, just a moment, sorry. Okay, there were some articles, but lots of repeats. A lot of repeats still. Okay, so here's one. This is from Insider Higher Ed, and it's titled Educators Seek Expansion of Short-Term Pell Grants. 
Congress is being asked by higher education and tech leaders to make all online education programs eligible for short-term Pell Grants. They argue that short-term Pell Grants would assist adult students taking workforce development courses. And the progressive grocer reports that Grubhub expands college operations with robots. Grubhub has partnered with technology startup Cartkin to roll out robot delivery to college campuses. Ohio State University participated in a pilot program in the spring and expects to see a full launch this fall. ABC News. Um, oh, no, that was a repeat from earlier. We did. We did do that one. Middleweb on SmartBrief reports that 2E students can thrive with appropriate support. Students who are twice exceptional or 2E identified as both intellectually gifted and having a learning disability can sometimes be mislabeled or misunderstood and therefore do not receive the support they need, writes Emily Kircher Morris, a mental health counselor and author and host of Neurodiversity Podcast. In this article, Kircher Morris writes that students identified as 2E can thrive in an inclusive, affirming educational environment and with the collaborative support of gifted and special education staff. Mobile Health News reports that Georgia's early tech gets clearance for autism diagnosis tool. The FDA was given 510K clearance to Decatur, Georgia-based early tech diagnostics for its early point evaluation, a tool that can help identify autism spectrum disorder in children that are 6 months to 30 months old. I'll save this one too, so if anybody wants access or to kind of learn more about it, you can contact us at New Heights Education at yahoo.com. Because that is, uh, well, when this came out was the first I'd heard of it, so I haven't had a chance to really look into it much either. Okay, we're running out of time, but I think I have a few more articles. This one's from District Administration. It says, incoming district leader plans to focus on advocacy. Assistant Superintendent Christina Gibson is set to take over leadership of Michigan's East Point Community Schools on July 1st and hopes to help the struggling district become a district of choice for teachers and students. As Assistant Superintendent Gibson, has promoted a hybrid learning approach and ensured students' access to technology and says as superintendent she plans to be an advocate for the needs of students and families. And the Topeka Capital Journal in Kansas reports the history of education taught at Future Teachers Camp. 60 high school students recently participated in the annual Kansas Future Teacher Academy at Emporia State University. In one activity, the students learned about the history of education, including its roots and one-room schoolhouses, where students' formal education typically ended at 8th grade. Civil Eats reports that advocates predict fallout for school meal waivers end. Childhood hunger and nutrition advocates and experts are cautioning about the potential impl implications of the expiration of federal school meal waivers this month. With nonprofits share our strength predicting that students stand to miss out on 95 million meals this summer. And school meal programs will face challenges in the 2022-2023 school year. Data shows summer participation more than doubled under the waivers in July 2020 and 2021. Um, AC, 
I'm sorry, AFCD blog reports that supporting LGBTQ students in the don't say gay era, as many states consider restricting the teaching of LGBTQ content in schools. Educators propose strategies for reaffirming inclusive classrooms. Okay, like I said, I think we are running out of time. Let me check again. Well, we got a few more minutes. We're just getting right through these today, one after another. All right, um, Cleveland.com reports that Governor Mike DeWine signs capital budget bill providing money for dozens of community projects until school safety. Governor Mike DeWine signed $3.5 billion capital budget Tuesday morning, which provides money for the construction of an Intel chip manufacturing facility, school safety measures, and community projects. Of the $3.5 million and $2.8 billion will come from state funds and the rest from federal dollars. The legislator has authorized DeWine to spend $1.5 billion in cash instead of borrowing the money by issuing bonds. The capital budget provides $100 million to the Ohio Department of Public Safety for public and private K-12 school safety grants. DeWine says he anticipates more money will be needed. The Toledo Blade reports that Lucas County approves a $1.5 million budget for a pre-K program. More Toledo more Toledo four-year-olds soon might be able to attend pre-kindergarten. Lucas County commissioners voted unanimously Tuesday to authorize the use of $1.5 million from Federal American Rescue Plan Act grant funding to expand current pre-K pre-K programs through their area nonprofit Hope of Toledo. Launched last summer with help from Prometica and Toledo Public Schools, Hope Toledo's pre-K demonstration project served over 200 children. Through $1.2 million investment, Hope Toledo's president, the Reverend John Jones, said, The goal now is to use the newly authorized money to help serve a new group of about 300 children in the coming school year. And Warren Tribune Chronicle reports that Warren schools get renderings of Wellness Center. Warren schools officials will seek bids for site plans on 15 million recreation wellness center as board members Tuesday saw renderings of what the complex will look like. Kim Phillips, president of the Phillips Sacanic Architects of Warren, made a presentation to the Board of Education during Tuesday's regular meeting showing drawings and images. The planned 128,000-square-foot complex will hold two floors, Phillips said, and will be located east of Warren G. Harding High School, connected with accesses to and from high school and Mellencoff Stadium. Canton Repository reports that the Canton School plans to add gymnasiums to Crenshaw and Hartford Middle School. And... The Springfield New Sun reports that Foods Bank to offer free warm meals to children at seven sites this summer. So you'd want to look up Second Harvest Food Bank. And um, Clark, if you're in Clark, Champaign, or Logan County, so it will be available to you. And, um, and it says the current... Um, reported that public TV stations adapt strategies for support supporting out-of-school learning. The educators struggling to address learning deficits that widen during the coronavirus pandemic. Public TV stations are refining their strategies to engage students outside the classroom. Eight Ohio PBS stations are launching a collaborative educational project that provides toolkits of themed activities, virtual field trips, and interactive community events for elementary students starting this fall. The Ohio Department of Education has provided $5 million to fund the three-year project, and starting July 1st, the WNET in New York City will offer a new session of its reformatted 
Camp TV, a series that aims to address learning losses exasperated by the pandemic and those that typically occur during the summer. Don't mean to laugh, but this has been going on for way longer than the pandemic. There was already a huge gap in learning. So um, they know how to fix it, but they will not because it's not meant to be fixed. If anybody doesn't understand that statement, look up John Taylor Gatto and you'll see why I say that. As usual, this brings us to the end of another show. I thank you for spending this hour with me. It means a lot. I want to remind you that um, the, our civil rights show airs by 5, 6 o'clock on Sunday, um, every Sunday with Barbara Bullen. And then my show airs Wednesdays at 6 p.m., both at our Eastern Standard Times. Until next time. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offers the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer.